Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. We're actually going to look at a couple of different passages and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts in this area of music. Entitled this, The Bible Principles of Sacred Music. And I'm going to begin by just <clears throat> saying some things, giving us some things this morning as you're turning, that, you know, maybe the word disturbs me about our music here, our, our philosophy of music or whatever, our feeling about music here at Ambassador. Disturbs might be a little bit strong. You're saying, Brother Doyle, where are you going with this, right? And uh, maybe it's uh, concerns, possibly, but somewhere, somewhere in there, let me just mention, mention a couple of things as we start uh, going. Number one is I am concerned or disturbed, this, this one may be more disturbed than concerned, about graduates that leave Ambassador Baptist College and all of a sudden, or even might not be all of a sudden, but somewhere in, the, in their future, they begin to change, uh, not just in the area of music, but in other areas also. But this morning, we're uh, particularly concerned about music. And so to see graduates that leave Ambassador and within, say, five years or so, their philosophy of music has changed, they're going a different direction, it disturbs me. You say, why, Brother Joel? Because I have to stop and think, now, is it because they never agreed with Bible principle all along? Or is there, are they listening to the wrong people now? Just exactly what is it? Or maybe they just didn't get it down in their heart. They didn't focus. They didn't pay attention to why we believe what we believe here at Ambassador Baptist College or just as a Christian. Why do we believe what we believe about music? So it's disturbing, disturbing to me to see people change away from Bible truth and Bible principle. Another thing that is a little disturbing to me are, again, that's probably a little harsh word, um, but I, I have in my desk <clears throat> a list. I have a list of approved songs and a list of unapproved songs, you know. And you say, Brother Doyle, why would that concern you, uh, you know, even a little bit? Well, I know institutionally it can be a good thing. A list can be helpful. But to me, a list has some drawbacks. Number one, what's on the list? You know, there's always something that is not on the list, correct? Tomorrow, there will be a bunch of more things that are either on the list or not on the list. When you get out from school, you're not going to be calling me and say, Dr. Robertson, what about, you know, what about this song? Is this on the list? You know, I might say, well, you know, that list is, you know, needs to be updated or whatever. Now, can it be a help? Yes, I think it can be a help. But it gives more to me of an attitude of, okay, as long as, you know, let me see if this is on the list. Instead of discerning from Bible principle what is right and wrong. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at? You know, we should be, as a Christian, we should be able to hear a, a music, a song sung. We should be able to examine a song here, you know, recorded or whatever, and say, you know, does this not meet the list, but does this agree with Bible principle? Does this agree with the Word of God teaches us? And then no matter what comes along, 
We're prepared, aren't we? And we don't have to call Dr. Robertson. Let's say, now, where, what's his phone number? You don't know. You know, we don't have to call Ambassador. We can say, according to Bible principle and Bible truth, then I am going to make the determination on this song, this group, whatever it is, and determine what is right for my life according to the Word of God. All right? The third thing that disturbs me just a little bit, all right, is an attitude that I perceive sometimes. And maybe sometimes this, I'm all wrong about this, uh, but an attitude of here's all of Christianity, and over here is Ambassador Baptist College, you know, and they are just really strange, weird, or, you know, whatever we want to call it, because they have these standards of sacred music. You know, does that, you know, does that check for Ambassador Baptist College is kind of the thing I've heard, you know. Uh, Ambassador Baptist College agree with that. But uh, kind of along the same lines as the list, I don't want that to be fostered as an attitude, okay, here's what, every, you know, everybody else is okay with all this, but here's some, some strange, weird ideas that Ambassador Baptist College has. You know, here at Ambassador Baptist College, we strive to base everything that we do upon the Word of God. That's our foundation. That's our focus. And so when we say these are our standards of Christian music, it's not that, okay, this is different from everybody else. We are saying this is what we believe the Bible says about music. This is what God's Word has given us. You know, and sometimes you will meet folks who will say, well, Brother Doyle, you know, the, the Bible is very ambiguous about music, and it doesn't say this is right and this is wrong. That's true. The Bible doesn't have a list, okay? You can't turn back into the concordance somewhere and find a list uh, from the Word of God. But you do find principle. You find principle by which you can discern right and wrong in your life. It's just like the Bible doesn't address specifically every other little thing that comes along in our life, you know. Uh, the Bible, you know, does not say, thou shalt not smoke camels, right? Now, if it did, what would come to people's minds when they read that, you know? It's exactly how do you smoke a camel, you know? Uh, this is, you know, back in, in New Testament times. Thou shalt not smoke a camel, all right? Um, barbecue slowly. <laughs> Do you uh, actually stick its tail in your mouth and light its nose, you know? How, 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 do, you, how do you smoke a camel? No, it doesn't say that, does it? But it does give us Bible principle how that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and how we need to take care of ourselves and how we need to treat. And it gives us Bible principle by which we can discern what is right and wrong. And the area of music is the same way. The Bible gives us principles by which we can live and make our decisions, make our evaluations about music daily that where we will come down and make the right decisions about it as long as we study and are open to Bible principle, all right? Now, there's a feeling these days, this is all pre, by the way. We're getting to the, to the meat here in a minute. But there, there is a feeling 
And I don't know if you've heard this yet. If you've not yet heard it, don't worry about it too much, but it's out there, okay? A feeling that, you know, Brother Robertson, you can feel this way about music, and I can feel this way, kind of the opposite end, okay? I can feel this way about music, and we can both be right. You know, I have a hard time with that. I have a real hard time with that. How anybody can look at Bible principle, come down on opposite sides and say, say both of us are right. It's like somebody, you know, saying somebody says two plus two is four and somebody else says two plus two is eight, you know, and uh, you say, well, you're both right. You know, you're both right. It's, it's probably, if you just think about it the right way, you're both right. No, if, we, if you and I look at the same Bible principle and we come down on opposite sides of the, the, opposite sides of the issue or the whatever, one of us is not right. You know, it can't be that both of us are right. One of us is interpreting Scripture wrongly. You know, the Bible does say that we're to rightly divide the word of truth. And so I just wanted to encourage you about that. If you, come, if you come upon that in your lives and say, you know, you can believe this, and not just about music. They're, they're saying, you know, as long as your conscience doesn't bother you about this, and as long as my conscience doesn't bother me about this, then we can both be right. No, somebody's right. Somebody is rightly dividing. Somebody is not rightly dividing the word of God. So as we think about music, I want us to get some principles this morning that will help you all of your life. It's not a list, but it's principles that can be a help to us. In Colossians 3, verse 16, where your Bibles should be open, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings today. This is not an easy subject to talk about, not an easy subject to listen to, but a subject that is sorely needed in our day and time. You know my heart, and my heart is truly to be an encouragement, a blessing, and a help to the students and everyone else listening today. So we pray that you would give me wisdom. Help me to say the things I should say. Help me not to say the things I should not. And we pray that your, your blessings would be upon us. May the Holy Spirit work in our hearts during this time as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first principle we would like to look at this morning is the purpose principle. The purpose principle. All right. Here in Colossians 3, 16, this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible as to why we have sacred music. Why, you know, what is the purpose of sacred music? And what, you know, why does that make a difference? You might say, Brother Joel, why, why do we need to know the, the, the purpose of music? I think if we'll get this settled in our heart and mind, this has been one of the greatest helps to me as far as evaluating music as to what is right and what's wrong is to realize its purpose. You say, why, Brother Doyle? Because you, it's impossible to evaluate anything in life without knowing its purpose. Suppose I'm watching a ball game. If I do not know anything about what they're supposed to be doing, can I judge correctly on how they are doing, you know, a player's performance or a team's performance? Not if I don't know the purpose of it. 
I've used before the illustration of, you know, getting up a game of football. You're, you know, we're about to have Thanksgiving break. Suppose that Thanksgiving break, it quits, quits raining enough for you to say, hey, let's get out and, and we'll get us a game of uh, football up, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll play some football. If I'm there watching you're, you playing a game, can I possibly evaluate correctly what you're doing if I don't know what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. If I'm watching a game of football and suppose about the time the quarterback takes the football and he puts it on his head and he starts spinning it, you know how you spin a ball uh, like a basketball on your finger? You know, suppose he's doing that on his head. You know, he's doing it on his head. And if I'm watching, I could be impressed with that, could I not? Sure, I said, wow, what dexterity, what skill. This, you know, this, this guy is good. Well, while I'm saying he's good, he's about to get tackled or touched or whatever you're playing, you know, playing, playing if you're playing flag or whatever, you know, method you're using to down the quarterback, he's about to get it because he's back here. He's back here just, just going away. You say, Brother Doyle, that's ludicrous. He, he's, you know, he's not doing a good job. Well, how do I know unless I know what he's supposed to be doing? And it's the same way with music. If we don't know what music is supposed to be accomplishing, if we don't know the purpose of music, how can we look at it in any way that would help us to evaluate it correctly? You know, a lot of times people say, well, I just enjoy that kind of music. That's the kind of music I've always listened to. That's the kind of music Grandma loved, you know, whatever. Instead of looking at it, realizing, is this fulfilling its biblical purpose? Now, the Bible's full of verses that talk about how music is used and all. But Colossians 3.16 is a wonderful verse. It begins, says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Just a little bit of a by the way here, okay? The, the word of Christ, the Bible, is where we get all wisdom. The world has no wisdom. The world has nothing to offer. So many times when people get confused about this area of music, it's because they're listening to a person's opinion. Well, I think this is okay. I think that's okay. This is going to attract the young people. This is gonna... Well, what is the Bible purpose of music? The Bible continually talks about that uh, from cover to cover, but we need to realize that our wisdom about anything in our life whether it's music, whether it's dress, whether it's actions, whatever it is, our wisdom has to come from the Bible. And here it expresses it. It goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If you'll read every scripture verse that the Bible has in it about music that contains anything about singing or song or whatever, uh, you will find that there's a lot, by the way, a lot more than you might uh, normally think there is. And as you read those and study those, you will see that it is impossible to not come up with the purpose of music in the Bible, the primary purpose is that to bring honor, glory, and praise to God. The primary purpose 
The Psalms are full of it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. It continually talks about praising God. The direction of, of music and the word of God is this way. Now, is that different than a lot of people think? Is that different than maybe a, most people think? Yes, it is. Most people think music is for me. They say things like, oh, this is the kind I enjoy. This is the kind that blesses my heart, you know, and uh, this, is, this is the kind that I like or whatever. But when we realize that the primary biblical purpose of music is to bring honor and glory to God, a much better question than what do I like is what would he be honored with? What would he be glorified with and as we realize that that is a consideration in our hearts or should be a consideration in our hearts it can change things completely around not by what I want not by what I enjoy not by what I approve of approve of but what would God approve of what would he give his blessings on we'll talk about that a little bit later about God's role in this but to realize that this primary biblical purpose, I challenge you, read the verses. I've done it several times. And you'll be overwhelmed with the, with the idea that the music, the direction of music is toward God. With that primary biblical purpose in mind, what does that do for us? Well, first of all, it gives us a, value, a foundation of evaluation, doesn't it? It's just like watching the football player. Is he doing well? Well, if I know what he's supposed to be doing, I can decide that. And the same thing with music. It gives us a found. It, it means we don't have to rely on what our mom and dad tells us necessarily. And if they're talking about, if they are t talking from the Bible, great. You know, it means we don't have to rely on what our friends are saying necessarily. It means we don't have to rely on what somebody else is saying because we have a foundation that will help us evaluate the music in our life. If we realize, yes, the primary purpose is to praise God. Does this music praise God that I'm looking at or I'm listening to or whatever? Or is it just making me feel good? So it gives us a, a foundation of evaluation. It also relieves us of the responsibility of deciding what is right. You know, when folks come to me and say, Brother Doyle, what do you think about this? When we get right down to it, it does not matter what I think about this, but what matters is what does the Word of God say? And if the purpose, the primary purpose of music is to honor the Lord, and you will find it is in the Word of God, then it makes a huge difference. When I got this settled in my heart and life, it made a huge difference in my thinking about music. Secondly, a secondary biblical purpose under the purpose principle is that it is a spiritual blessing to others. As we read in this verse 16, the second phrase says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs. So not only does music bring honor and glory to God, but it also affects us. Now, this is one of the very few verses in the Word of God that talk about music that talks about how it affects us. The psalmist did say it uh, talked about how it was a joy to sing unto the Lord, but that wasn't necessarily just because uh, music was making him happy. It was the joy came in praising God. The joy came 
in lifting songs of praise to him. And in that truth, here in chapel, I just love, you know, singing about God and singing about what God has done for us. And these praise songs this week have just been a blessing to me because it is a joy to sing praises to God. But it does say here in this verse, and the Bible only has to say something once for it to be true, it says teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So not only should our music bring glory to God, but it should be a spiritual blessing to those who we're ministering to. It should be a spiritual blessing to us as we sing those songs, as we hear those songs. I don't have a lot of time to spend here because I want to spend the bulk of my time and just, just a little bit further on into the message, all right? But let me, let me mention a couple of things. First of all, music not only affects us spiritually, but it also affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. And we need to be careful as a Christian that the, those aspects of music and how it affects us do not start overwhelming or become, become the primary focus rather than the spiritual blessing. Can that happen? Sure it can. Some music is written in such a way that it primarily appeals to our physical beings, you know. Uh, sometimes they call those songs, you know, knee-slapping, knee hand-clapping songs or whatever. Now, is it always wrong to to uh, respond physically? No, not necessarily. You know, uh, it isn't. But when we get to where that is overwhelming or if that is hindering the spiritual blessing, yes, it is wrong. We need to make sure that we keep our priorities straight and the, and the music that we're using primarily is affecting us spiritually and not just affecting us and making us feel good out here. Okay, do I need to spend a long time on that? I don't, I don't think we do. But make sure that the physical and the emotional do not start beginning to take preeminence over the spiritual. And we need to make sure that we protect that spiritual impact. You say, Brother Doyle, how? Well, we need to be careful that the music we're using is not necessarily you know, aimed at affecting us physically. Uh, one thing I think about, and once I've mentioned to uh, some folks here this semester, uh, and we may talk again about it a little bit in, in another area here, but uh, just the matter of like syncopation, you know, uh, you say, Brother, what's so bad about syncopation? Well, uh, it tends to be physical. And some of you might say, Brother, what is syncopation? All right. Uh, syncopation is when the emphasis of the music gets on the offbeat and not on the beat. You know, uh, every song has a beat, right? If we do stand up for Jesus, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Feel that beat, all right? And so in, in a song that is syncopated, the emphasis gets off the beat instead of bum. Bum, 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 bum. It's more like ta, ta, ch, 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 ch. <laughs> Why do you react? Because Brother Joel's up there doing syncopation. That's why. Yeah I, yeah, I know that. But it also causes a physical reaction to anybody because that's its purpose. 
you know. Now, is a little bit of, you know, judiciously used, can you use some syncopation? Yes, you can. There are songs that we sing a lot that, that do. But too much is a technique of the world, rock music, etc., that is harmful because it, it turns things around. In fact, I, I read recently a study, it was a secular study, about what puts the groove in music, okay? They described groove. This was a secular study, okay? One of the path. They described groove as what makes you want to move, you know? So, you get the idea? I won't demonstrate this morning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Might let somebody else demonstrate, but, I, but they said, you know, and they, their particular study was about syncopation, and they, they said that syncopation, when it is used, uh, exactly, I, don't, I don't have time to go into all of their, their findings, but when syncopation is used in a song, that that is what creates the groove. That is what creates the desire to move. And so it, this being a secular study was very, very interesting, but worthwhile thinking about. We need to be careful that the physical, the emotional, does not start overriding the spiritual. But when we hear the song, it's not making us want to groove. It's wanting to make us grow in the Lord. And so this, as we consider this purpose principle, I want you to keep those things in, in mind. The second thing we'd like to look at, I started to call it the separation principle. In fact, when I've done this message before, I have called it the separation principle but uh, for all you folks that are really interested in alliteration, uh, this morning we're going to go with the peculiar principle, okay? We have the purpose principle, and so now we're going to have the peculiar principle. Say, like, Brother Doyle, you stretched way out there to get that. Well, not, not, you know, not a long, long, long way. In Titus, uh, the Bible talks about, it says, that we're peculiar people, zealous of good works. And uh, it, that peculiar there has the meaning of being special. I looked it up. It is a little, little different Greek word in that verse uh, than, than some of the other uh, uses of peculiar. But in this, in this particular one, it had a meaning of special, or it also had a, had a meaning in that verse of beyond usual. So when we think about the peculiar principle, we're thinking about people who are peculiar. We're thinking about music that is peculiar, that is special, that is beyond the usual, all right? And we can think of also being separated from the world. But the Bible teaches how we are a set-apart people. We are peculiar. We're special. We're beyond the usual. Not that we're better than other folks, but we are different, not necessarily weird. Now, some of us are a little weird, but that's okay, all right? It, it is not necessarily meaning that, but we're beyond the usual. We're not run-of-the-mill. And in our music, we need to get beyond just run-of-the-mill. We need to make sure that it is separated from the world, that it is not like the world's music. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 6, would you? Just a few pages back, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I thought recently, and I forget right now who the preacher was, but I thought he's going to preach my message on music here because he talked about 
being separated, all right? And this passage, starting in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's a great statement. We often hear it in the area of dating, in the area of marriage, and all of that is true. But Paul here is going to call our attention to a principle of separation from the world that is good for us when we think about this area of music. He's going to start by asking five questions, all of which can be answered with the same answer. Don't you wish every quiz was like this, you know? That you just, as long as you found that one answer, you could do it. But you've, but you've got one answer. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. The answer is the word none, okay? N-O-N-E. And that's the answer to all five of these questions. So I'm going to ask you for the answer, all right, as we go, as we go ahead. In verse 14, the second phrase says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer? None. Right. Okay. Good so far. And what communion hath light with darkness? None. Right. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? None. All right. Uh, or what part hath he that believeth? With an infidel. Okay, one last question here. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Okay, so we're talking about opposites here, aren't we? We're talking about Christ. We're talking about Belial. We're talking about light. We're talking about darkness. We're talking about righteousness. We're talking about un- unrighteousness. So they have no concord. They have no agreement. They, they have no fellowship because they are opposites. Now... Have you ever been asked a question and so that when the, you give the answer, the person that asked the question, it was kind of, kind of a gotcha question, you know? They say, aha, yeah, you know, you know, because you just answered that way, I'm going to say this. Well, this is kind of a gotcha question here by Paul because he says, what do all these things have in common? And when we shout out, none, he kind of turns it in verse 16. It says, for ye are the temple of the living God. He had just said, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And when we say, none, Paul, he says, well, you're the temple of God. He goes on to say, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they should be my people. Then he's in verse 17, he kind of brings the conclusion. He says, wherefore, come out from among them And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So why are we as Christians different from the world? Why are we peculiar? Why are we special? Why are we unusual? Why are we different? Why are we separated from the world? Because light is different from darkness. Because righteousness is different from unrighteousness. Why do we look different? Why do we talk differently? Why do we act differently? Why do we think different than the world thinks? Because Christ is different from Belial, see? The temple of God is different from idols. When it comes to this area of music, some people say, well, Brother Doyle, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get some Christian words, but we're going to reach over into the world's style of music, and we're going to bring the two together, and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Is it going to be a wonderful thing? No, it's not going to be a wonderful thing. Why? Because righteousness is different from unrighteousness. Because Christ is different from Belial. 
because the temple of God is different from idols. And we're commanded as a Christian to come out from the world and to be separate from them. And yet they have this monstrosity nowadays that they call gospel rock or Christian rock, you know, uh, country rock, blues rock, whatever, whatever you put with it, I'm again it, all right? If, if, if whatever you're putting with it is on this side of the equation and you try to put Christian with it, it is not going to work. You say, well, they do have Christian rock and they have this stuff. What, you know, what, what's, what's the problem with all of that? Well, it's kind of like saying, you know, today after chapel, I know some of you probably need a little gas money. You know, some of you might want to bring a gift back to your parents or something. So we're going to go downtown. We're not Lattimore downtown, but uh, maybe Shelby downtown. And we're going to have a Christian bank robbery. All right. All right. Now, now, don't, now, don't laugh about this because, you know, this is just for Christians. And we're going to just use the music for Christian, or use the music, use the money for Christian purposes. You know, we're going to, we're going to give gifts to our family. We're going to send gifts to missionaries. We're going to do all, all of this thing for this Christian bank robbery so that it's just going to be a great thing. No, it's not going to be a great thing. Why? Because the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, even if you use it to give to missionaries. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, even if you use it for some other good purpose, some poor college student that needs all this money. No, because the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. And when it comes to music, it is the same way. You don't put gospel in rock. You don't put Christian in rock. Why? Because they are separate things. And we as Christians need to be separated from the world. And it, it makes no more sense to say a gospel rock or Christian rock than it does a Christian bank robbery. It really doesn't. And uh, so, some, it, in fact, it's just amazing to me sometimes how people can just kind of swallow this and say, you know, that, that does sound right. Sometimes folks will say, well, Brother Doyle, you know, <clears throat> have, you ever, have you ever realized that in music, it's just notes, you know, they, it's not any, it's not good notes, it's not bad. In fact, they'll say things like this. they say, Brother Doyle, listen to this note, would you? Is that a good note? Or is that a bad note? No. Is that evil or is it righteous? Well, if we're honest, we just have to say it's neither one. It's just a note. It is neutral, amoral. You might have heard, heard that word before. So they say, well, see, music is just notes. You put them together and they're not good. They're not bad. They're just amoral. They're just neutral. Wait a minute. Wait. Suppose... Suppose I were to get an alphabet and put it across the screen, you know, uh, today. And suppose we looked at that alphabet and I pointed to that S and I said, is that a good letter or is that a bad letter? <laughs> it's just a letter, isn't it? Any letter of the alphabet by itself is just neutral. It's just amoral, correct? Just like that note I just played. I just played middle C. Okay? It's not good. It's not bad. It's just middle C, all right? But any letter of the alphabet is also like that. Well, but if we take their thinking, we say, well, see, it's neutral. So uh, you just, all letters are, are neutral. They're all moral. They don't matter. Well, wait a minute. Can't I take neutral letters and put them together in a way that would honor the Lord? Certainly. 
could I not also take those same neutral, amoral letters and put them together in a way that would dishonor God? Certainly. And it's the same thing about musical notes. I can take a middle C and I can put it with other notes in a way that can glorify God. I can put it together in a way that becomes sensual, that becomes physical, that becomes something that dishonors God. So does the music matter in thinking about being separated from the world? Does it it really matter? It seems like this is a principle that a lot of musicians just either ignore or they are ignorant of or maybe a combination of both. But does it really matter? You know, because we have Christian rock, we have Christian rap. Can you believe it? (laughs) We have Christian country, all of that. And we need to ask ourselves, does it really matter? Let me give you several Bible principles that, that talks about this and some common sense things also that does. You know, so many times when we hear people say it doesn't matter, have you ever thought about who tries to tell us that? Now, right on the surface of it, some of us would say, you know, Brother Joel, that's probably the, the world trying to tell us that, that the music doesn't matter. You know, that's not true. It's not the world. It's normally a Christian. A Christian who's looking for an excuse or looking for some kind of reason why they can use worldly music with Christian words. The world doesn't agree. In fact, if you went to a rock musician's house today and tried to persuade them that the music doesn't matter, you know, they would laugh in your face. I just, uh, one little quote here, if you'll excuse it, all right, from, from Slash. Anybody know who Slash is? Okay, it was back before. Uh, he's, he's a British-American guitarist. Anybody ever heard Guns N' Roses? You know, heard of it? Okay, I, I saw some heads shake over here. Okay, that's a little bit concerning, but anyhow. Uh, <laughs> It's, it was a, a rock group, a hard, a hard rock group. And you know what he said about rock music? Is that he said, oh, this is good stuff. This is, you know, this is wonderful things. You know. uh, his, his quote was, rock is about attitude. You understand that? Attitude and rebellion. That's what he said rock was. And he's talking about the music, the genre itself. It says about attitude and rebellion. Another rock musician says, rock is immorality. Now, I used a little stronger word than that. That's what I'll use today, all right? Rock is immorality. So we're going to say, hey, this is okay. You can, take, you can take some Christian words, and you can put it with something that is known for its immorality, and it is going to be wonderful, you know? You can reach over and get some Christian words, and you can reach over and get, get some music that is worldly, that is fleshly, that is sensual, that is devilish, that is all about attitude, and is all about rebellion, and it's going to be great. No, it's not. It's not going to be great. And it's because it does not make sense logically, and it does not make sense biblically either one. Does it really matter? Let's consider a couple of things. First of all, music communicates. Does it matter? Yes, it does, because music communicates. Music itself communicates. What happens when you're watching a video, and uh, all of a sudden the music changes? 
Now, a lot of times they don't even say anything. Uh, you know, you don't know anything is happening differently except the music changes. You know, it's gone along happily. Da 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 bum 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 bum, and all of a sudden, dum da dum bum, bah! Yeah, yeah. And you say, my, you know, somebody's about to jump out from the bushes, right? Did they write that across the screen? Scary part coming. Scary part coming. Scary part coming. No, they just changed the music. Then could we really say music doesn't communicate on its own? Oh, it does. Music communicates. Wish I had more time to talk about that, all right? But we don't. Music communicates. Music interprets the words. Music interprets the words. Words are, words do not stand by themselves. Words are interpreted. If you're looking at a baby and you say, my, that's a beautiful baby. That's one thing. But if you look at the same baby and you say it like this, my, that's a beautiful baby. <laughs> don't say it that way when you see your little niece, all right? Don't, don't, don't say it that way when you, when you get home. Uh, you know, the little saying that's, that's over here, I forget whose office that, you know, about having grandpa for dinner. Be careful how you say that, okay? You can, you can, you can have him for dinner, or you can have him for dinner, yeah? It's how, however you want to say But it matters how words are spoken. It matters how words are interpreted. And in a song, what interprets the words? It's the music and the style of music. There's no getting around that. It is the music either helps those words say what they're supposed to say or it distorts the message. I often say music has the ability to support, that's what you want, or to distort or to destroy that message. Has the ability to support, to distort, or destroy that message. So the music matters because music communicates with us. The music matters because the music interprets the words. And then the music matters because of the holiness of God. Again, we don't have a whole lot of time to stand here or to stay here. But realizing that the primary purpose from the Word of God is to glorify God, we have to consider what kind of music would glorify Him. Is something that is tainted by the world, something that sounds like the music that is the music of attitude and rebellion, the attitude of immorality, and that's not what I'm saying, that's what rock musicians say about it themselves. Is that going to bring honor and glory to Almighty God? The otherworldly genres, it's not just rock, but that's one of the easiest to see. The otherworldly genres that are known for wickedness, is, is, is that something that we want to try to honor and glorify God? Obviously not. The music matters because of the holiness of our God. If he is supposed to bring, be receiving honor, if he is receiving glory, if he's receiving praise through this, can you imagine God in heaven, the holy God that we serve we can't really imagine it, can we? Our mind just doesn't quite work that way. But try. Try to think of someone or a being that is perfectly holy. Do we think he's going to receive praise from something that sounds like the world? No. Come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. 
touch not the unclean thing. So the principle of separation. You know, some, some folks will kind of look at you and say, well, Brother Doyle, I just worship God in my way. And I let you worship God in your way. You know, they try to say it very piously. Like I'm supposed to say, oh, that's good as long as you're worshiping God, right? No, ask, ask Cain about that. Ask Nadab and Abihu about that, right? Oh, they were, you know, offering incense. They were, and Cain was bringing his offering. And was that, did God say, oh, that's a little different, boys, but that's okay. No, he rejected them. In fact, in the case of Nadab and Abihu, they were dead that day. It wasn't, okay, you're just doing your things a little different. That strange fire, you know, is okay. That's your way of worshiping. No, there is a, there is a right way and there's a wrong way of worshiping God, our holy, righteous God. Does music matter? Yes, it does. The third thing today is the enjoyment principle, all right? I want you to write down things, and you can look at it later, all right, because our time is just about up. The enjoyment principle, or if you'd like to stay with your peas, the propensity principle, okay? The propensity principle. You say, Brother Doyle, where do you get that? Romans 7, 8 through 19, Paul describes our battle with the flesh. And that's why I call it the propensity principle, because we have a propensity or an inclination to follow the flesh. All of us do. We have that propensity within us. Paul describes that in Romans chapter 7, 18, 19. He says, the things I know I should be doing, those are the things I do not do. The things I know that I should be doing, those are the things that I don't do. The things I know I should not be doing, those are the things I do. Did we get all, all that straight, I guess? What is it? It's a battle with the flesh, and we're all faced with that every day, our battle with the flesh. And so when, when people say, well, you know, Brother Doyle, I just happen to enjoy this kind of music, you know? I just happen... <clears throat> enjoyment is not a good determination of right and wrong, is it? Why? Because our flesh will enjoy the wrong thing a hundred times out of a hundred. So you have the propensity within us to enjoy or gravitate toward the wrong things, the fleshly things. So that's number three. You'll have to put the flesh on the bones, all right? We can't determine, we can't depend on our flesh, but we have to depend upon the Word of God. And the last one is the pleasing principle, the pleasing principle. In Romans 8, 8, the Bible says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The Bible talks about us pleasing God. And as we think about music, we need to realize, you know, am I drawn toward this music because I really think it would please God? Or am I drawn to this music because it just pleases me? So I hope this morning that this has given you some things to think about. I'm sure it has. But as we look at Bible principle, let's pray for God's wisdom to make the right choices so that our lives are full of praise and honor to God himself. 
you know, we talk about the battle of the flesh. I'll close with this. There was a, a farmer one time that was talking to his neighbor, and he says, you know, I have two dogs that just fight all the time. And the neighbor said, well, which one wins? He said, well, we got this red dog, got this, this black dog that fights just all the time. He said, which one wins? And the old farmer said, the one I feed the most. Okay. So what's going to win between the flesh and the spirit in our lives? The one we feed the most. And what does worldly music feed? It's going to be feeding the flesh. So we need music that has our songs that have godly words, godly music that supports that. You say, Brother, how do you describe that godly music? I think one of the best ways is godly music does not sound like worldly music because we're separated. It's not going to sound like rock. It's not going to sound like rap. You know, it's not going to sound like the world's music if it's the right kind of music.